I want to have a family chat. So if you are not a follower of Jesus, um, welcome. And I, God will move on your heart, I know, he already has been, uh, but if you are a follower of Jesus, I want to have a little bit of a family chat today. Mason King said this, he said, God is not waiting for a future version of you to love, and he has a future version of you in mind. God is not waiting for a future version of you to love, and he has a future version of you in mind. That means none of us are finished products. Every single one of us are being formed and shaped into who God designed and destines for us to be. And I start with this to draw our attention and our affection uh, towards the, the and. That it is the tension of God loves us just the way we are and he doesn't leave us the way we are. And we now have in front of us, if this is true, which I believe it is, we have some choices that we make in the midst, and it's those choices that I want us to have a conversation about. When it comes to engaging purpose in the last month, we've sought to bring clarity to the difference between a primary and a secondary calling. We've talked about our shared interdependence that, yeah, purpose is about you, but it also needs to be about us. Last week, we looked at how the church is both a building a bride and a body. It is all of those things. That's what the church is. And today, we want to talk about who Jesus is, and then in and from who Jesus is, how God reveals purpose, and how you and I walk in purpose. This isn't for people who don't know Jesus. This is for some who are. We're living in a very, very curious time that Christians, those who call themselves little Christs, that's what it means, they are attempting to follow Jesus while not reading the scriptures, not praying, forsaking the gathering of ourselves one with another. The very name we call ourselves Christians, you and I are then are called to live, though our world is different, the way Jesus lived his life. And we're living in a curious time that you can now, at this point in human history, you can go the rest of your life on secondhand revelation, reading everybody else's thoughts, perspective, and opinions, all of which is good and helpful at times, about God and never actually read the Word of God. It's what we live in today. It's, it's just the curse of technology. How many of you know that information is quite cheap? It's everywhere. What is actually of value is transformation. This is what the human heart desires. And so Psalm chapter 139 says this about God. It says that before you were born, God had a purpose for your life. He knew you. We are, we are finite, we are born and we die, and we have conversations around when life begins and how life values, not God. God who knows all things pre-new and knows you. Psalm 139. And then the New Testament further focuses purpose by defining us as members and then as ministers. Ephesians chapter two, verse 19 says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. The very first thing when you begin to follow Jesus that God settles is that you have a perfect heavenly father in a heavenly family. 
And then from belonging and from family, it goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, 19, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. And all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, first and foremost, and then after we have been reconciled to Jesus, he gave us this thing called the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them because we're in Christ, and entrusting to us this message of reconciliation. So when you and I, as followers of Jesus, talk about purpose, number one, we are all members. If we have given our hearts to Christ, we are members of God's household. And then as members of God's household, I am not the only minister this morning who is here. Every single one of us has been given a ministry of reconciliation. And that means simply, wherever there are gaps between who God is and his love for people, where there are gaps, we are to stand in that gap and see on earth as it is in heaven, these things closed. Ministry of reconciliation, this is what it is. As members and ministers, though, we have a primary calling, and it is to follow Jesus. Now, we've looked at a whole bunch of ands that we just did there, and now I want to show you sometimes if we embrace the wrong and, where ample confusion or muddledness, it's not a word, but we're going to go with it, Right, where all of these things can cloud into our picture. When it comes to talking about purpose, we must abide and root in that your purpose and my purpose flows out of who Jesus is. Not who Jesus is, and then second subject, let's talk about purpose. It doesn't work that way. If we exclude Jesus from the process, then are we really Christians? Are we little Christs? Are we living in and following in the way of Jesus? So it's actually not complicated, though it's very, very tricky. It's actually quite clear, though it can get confusing. Here is what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse six. Jesus said to him, Nicodemus, no, sorry, I am the way, not Nicodemus, sorry. Jesus said to him, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, there are plenty of ways in which you can come to Jesus, but there is only way that you and I can get to the Father, and that is through Christ. Okay? Some people come to Jesus through an evangelistic meeting. Some people come to Jesus when they are up and up, and some people come when they are down and out. That, that is as diverse as we are in here, as diverse as the ways the Holy Spirit draws each and every one of us. But every single one of us, how he draws, it is to a singular place. It is in Christ and Christ alone. And there are no exceptions because Jesus just said this. No one comes to the Father except through me. But Jesus said he is three things. The first thing Jesus said is he is a way, then he's truth, and he's life. Now, I want to state clearly that I lack flexibility, so this illustration is not as powerful as it could be. So, if I take my left foot, and I take a step in this direction, and now I take my right foot, and I take a step in this direction, here's what I want you to notice. Both steps took activity. They took me doing someone, something. But here's the problem. I haven't gone anywhere. I have exerted energy and effort, but I actually haven't moved. Now, if I take another step in this direction, and this is where the illustration ends because I lack flexibility, that's what I meant. <laughs> and then I take this step, and I take another step in this direction, okay? 
once again, now I am experiencing tremendous pressure right about here, but notwithstanding that, once again, a lot of activity, but I've not made any progress. I'm not going anywhere. There comes a point where I have to decide in which direction do I want my life to go. If I actually want to arrive somewhere and not just have this beautiful thing called exertion, if I actually want to arrive somewhere, I actually have to get my feet pointed in the right direction. And once they're pointed in a direction, now watch. The same action, left and right, and now I'm actually going somewhere, and hopefully where it is that I intend. Why do I say all that? Because when it comes to purpose, purpose is a direction. And as followers of Christ, the first thing Jesus said is, I am a way, I am a direction. You and I, as followers of Jesus, where our life will feel muddled and confused and frustrated in purpose is when we have the identical, but look at all that I'm doing. It's not what you're doing, it is in which direction are you unified and you're going? And Jesus said, he's a way. He's a way in which we see the world. He is a way in which we live. He is a way in which we walk. Our walks with Christ is the primary metaphor for you and I, how we follow or don't follow Jesus. Now I know I can have my feet following one direction. It doesn't mean everything's gonna go swimmingly, but it means that I am absolutely committed to going this way. This is what Jesus said, I'm the way. It's a directional. I am the truth, which is the mind, will, character, glory, and being of God. Jesus is true, which means that he is an ultimate truth that is higher than my truth. So when I bump up with what I want to do that is true versus what Jesus says that is true, then it's a battle of submission. It's a battle of wills. In Jesus' life, seeing on earth as it is in heaven, this is the heart of abundance. And so when our purpose, though, becomes deformed by darkness, it first influences our direction. Anybody here as a follower of Jesus ever turn astray? Come on. Okay. It first influences our direction. Notice when our purpose is deformed by darkness, the next thing it'll attack is what is true. And the last thing is then how we define what life is. We do not change what life is unless we change what is true, and we change what is true by going in a different direction. This is what Jesus said. One of the very first names that God revealed himself to humanity as is I am, which is ultimate, which is great. I am. I want you to pay attention in the next seven days and I want you to listen to how many different variations of conversations there are that have excluded God from the equation and are shouting and screaming with every bit of knowledge, emotion, intellect, whatever else you want to put in there, screaming for validation coming from inferior I am's. When you and I choose to go into a different direction, what we will do is we will forever define our lives, not by who God is, but by who we are. And we will then live our lives fighting for an approval that God will give us as a gift. We are the family of God first. Then we are ministers of reconciliation. 
The enemy wants us to move in a different direction because it brings him joy and pleasure to see us working for what God has already provided. And this is everywhere, including in the church today. I'm not saying who you are isn't of relevance. I am just saying is when you try to work out everything that you are apart from God as a follower of Christ, Houston, we have a problem. And it's everywhere. It's everywhere, even in my own heart sometimes. Let me give you one illustration. It's a family chat, just a family chat today. From the beginning of Genesis all to the Revelation, 1 John chapter 4, verse 6, from the mouth of somebody who has walked with Jesus, walked with God, used three words to sum up who God is. Not merely what God does. Yes, God does this, but it's who he is. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 6, three words, God is love. Okay? God is love. Now, I don't always like God's definition of love. And I'm being serious. And probably you don't as well. Because if I accept that God is love, then he, as the king of this kingdom, has ways of health and unhealth that I walk out love. So for example, when you and I are offended, when we are wounded, how many of you immediately, naturally, just feel like forgiving someone? <laughs> no, no. But when I trust that God is love, then I walk in the way that God says, this is what love looks like. Whenever God's will touches my will, my life begins to look like this. Even though I'm in this direction and God is loving and he is patient and he is kind and he is ready for me to push my feet on this path. Now, when it comes to the world in which we live, God is? Love. God is? Love. God is love. God is love. God is love. Highest ethics and as a follower of Jesus, whether it is in a romantic sense on the heterosexual side or the same sex side. I'm not playing one side against the other. I'm just talking about humanity, which includes both sides. We live in a world that excludes God and says no longer God is love, just love is love. And it's not just on the LGBTQ plus SIA side, it is equally on the heterosexual side. So we remove God from the equation, then we remove God from the equation, and we come up with our own standard, which is subjective, on what love is. So love means I get to sleep with whoever I want. That's if love is just love. Or love means it can look like this, or it can look like, but if I trust that God is love, who loves every single person in the world, Remember the opening quote, God loves you, but he has a future version of you in mind. Then under the lordship and leading of God's love, I begin to look at the world and what does that look like as a Christ follower? 
And it's, it's, it's baffling that we get into this because then even as followers of Christ, if we exclude, again, that God is love and we just simply live with an ultimate definition of love is love, then we actually begin to watch, we begin to form our worldview, our worldview and our theology around an ulterior definition of love. And we do it in such a way that even followers of Jesus will come along, and even if they quote something, for example, like I just did in 1 John 4, 16, or John 14, 6, where Jesus says, on the way, the truth, and the life, if that offends you, then what we do is go, okay, well, then God isn't love, then love is love, and if love is love, and if that means that, well, God would never do anything to offend me, um, then that can't be love, therefore, your interpretation of God is too narrow, and that is not God, and we create a God of our own understanding. And then this God is deaf and it's blind, but we just still call it God, which the Bible calls taking his name in vain. Ooh, family chat this morning. I told you, just a family chat. And why am I digging into these things today? Because all of us are being formed, as Doyen said so well, not including you into this message, Doyen, I'm just simply saying, all of us were saying, what did Doyen do when she got up? Choice. You can hope in this or you can hope in God. You choose. You choose. You choose. Are you okay? If you and I were to spend some time together and some of you are like, don't much want to, that's okay. If you and I were to spend some time together welcoming the Holy Spirit among us to talk about your walk, your purpose, there would be four questions I would ask and then prayerfully get you to reflect upon. And so in our family chat today, here's my first question. Jesus is the way, truth, and life. Let's establish that. And let's ground our purpose in Christ. And then grounding our purpose in Christ, here's the next question, or the first question. Are you currently being faithful with what you've been given? God, I want more. Okay, great. Be faithful with what you got. Well, what I got's not a lot. Okay, be faithful with it. I want a great marriage. Start with the crappy one you have. <laughs> that's not us, that's just like a hypothetical, <laughs> just a hypothetical, Lore. Welcome home. Start with what you have. When is the last time you did an inventory of everything that God has actually given you to steward? You can be 17 or you can be 87 and do this. What has God given you to steward? What has he given you to steward? Did you know that salvation is a gift? Salvation is a costly gift. Cost Jesus everything to provide. It costs you nothing to receive. It will then cost you everything to steward. In the book of Revelation, Jesus says to a church in Laodicea, here's what he says. I would rather you be cold or hot. Not this, not this. I would rather you move in this direction 
or this direction. Don't try to play both sides. Get your feet going in one direction. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now, if you're out there, and you're listening, and you're going, okay. Purpose. Deny myself, take up my cross, and follow you. Uh, Jesus, is there anything positive in there? Here's what I would submit. If our response to what Jesus is inviting us to do is overwhelmingly negative, it is evidence that you have never denied yourself, taken up your cross and follow Jesus, because if you do, what you will actually find is it is the way to abundant life. Are you not exhausted? Like, like, are you not exhausting, exhausted, living in the world where everything is unsettled like jello? And you always have to work to perform to fit in? Here Jesus just says, come to me. All you are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest for your soul. And then, yeah, follow me. Take up your cross. Deny yourself, right? Deny yourself is not like, I'm nothing. (laughs) Denying yourself is when I want to hold unforgiveness. God, I trust that love says forgive when I want to just do my own thing, when I want to move in the way of selfishness, Father, teach me to walk in the way of generosity. When I want to make everything about me, can you show me there's other human beings in the world more than me? Lord, just lead me in the way that you would have for me to go. How many of you wish to work for a boss that would deny themselves, take up their cross and follow him? It is the cry of the human heart. Are you faithful? Are you faithful to steward your time? Anybody here ever been scrolling socials and two hours goes by? But I didn't have any time for devotions? I'm not saying this to sling shame. I'm not. I'm simply saying, is it really true that we don't have time or is it more accurate that we need to learn how to steward it? And you know what? There are different seasons of life and I've mentioned this before, like when all of our kids were really, really small, the only time that I really had to myself was driving to and from work. And Lori is sitting over there grumbling now going, well, at least you had that. (laughs) And that's true. There are stories, there are stories of men and of women who would spend time in the kitchen. There's a famous story of a follower of Jesus. You know what she would do to spend time with the Lord? She would take a tea towel and put it over her head. And she trained her kids to know that when mom's doing that, mom's spending time with Jesus. Don't bug mom. 
kids today would just take the towel off and whack you with it. It's a different day. It's a different day. <laughs> but are you stewarding your time? What about your talent? Here's not the language of stewarding your talent. You ready? God could never use me. That is not the language of stewardship. That is the language of dis dis diminishment. That is the language from the enemy who only speaks lies and deception. I'm not saying that you're the hero of the story. That's reserved for Jesus. What I am saying is that you've got a part to play. That's what we've been trying to talk about this whole month. How are you stewarding your time? What about your talent? I only have one talent. Then steward it. I have 15. Good for you. Steward that. Okay? To whom much is given, much is required. Or as they said in the great prophetic film, Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. Are you faithful to steward your time, your talent? What about your treasure? Turn the person beside you and say, that's none of your business. <laughs> the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Are you faithful in these things? Next one is you clear on how God actually clarifies purposes. Our purpose, I should say. Picture a set of railways. Railway A represents all that you do. Rail B represents the being side of your life. What you do and who you are. This is how God uses you, and this is how God forms you. One is external and one is inter internal. One is all about Christ-like character formation, and one is about, again, using the gifts that he has called to give you. Every single one, okay, great, now we have two rails. The question next should be, where are we going? Here's the ultimate destination. If you're a Christ follower, this should be the bullseye in your target. Matthew 25, 23 says, to hear from the lips of Jesus one day, well done, good and faithful servant. That's the bullseye on every single one of our targets. To hear one day, well done, good and faithful servant. Notice that Jesus doesn't say, well done, good and successful servant. Well done, good and handsome servant, though you are. Well done, good and beautiful servant. Well done, good and... No, no. He is fixated, God is, on faithfulness. On faithfulness. Why? Because he is a faithful God. Jesus is Lord. We serve him, not the other way around. We are not Lord inviting Jesus to serve us, though he serves in incredible ways. And as we serve, the Holy Spirit gives us gifts to serve others, which brings glory to God. Question three, do you know your spiritual gifts? Because they're like superpowers. When it snows a lot, I know, try to think back and remember winter. It was about 24 hours ago. But <laughs> try to remember winter and then pretend it snows 50 centimeters. If you've ever had that experience and you looked into your garage and all you have is a snow shovel and your neighbor has a snow blower, then the moment you begin to shovel, I've been in this, I have, this is a true story by the way, and you may have done this too. If you only have a snow shovel, which can get the job done, though it's gonna take a lot of exertion, and your neighbor comes out with a snow blower, you begin to over-exaggerate how tired oh. <laughs> And you begin to pray in your soul, Lord, would they have mercy upon me? <laughs> and then the city of Ottawa comes right by and they put everything you just shoveled and they give you an opportunity to grow in grace and patience. Okay. 
Some of you are sitting back there like, well, I have a snowplow contract. I'm not asking you. Doesn't fit. But there you are with your snow shovel. Your neighbor comes out with a snowblower. How many know, again, both get the job done? One takes a little less effort. One takes a lot more effort. Yes? Okay. How many of you, by a show of hands, have the spiritual gift of evangelism and you know it? You just love to evangelize. You love it. Raise your hand if you do, if you have the spiritual gift of evangelism. Okay, yeah, one, two, great, great. Three, great, yeah, four, three, three. This may be explaining why we're having a problem in Canada. So, <laughs> how many? Threat three, anyone else have the gift of evangelism? You love it, doesn't intimidate you? Don't be afraid. I'm not going to call you up and have you, four or five. I'm not going to have you, six. I'm not going to have you evangelize. Okay, then go do it right now. I'm not going to have you do that. Okay, seven, okay, seven of us. Okay, so there's about seven people in here. So if you have people in your life who don't know Jesus and you've been trying for a long time, get their business card and have them come over because it's their superpower. But how many of you know, how many of you, okay, I'm pretty confident I don't have the spiritual gift of evangelism. Can I see your hands, please? Okay, here's what's true. They have the snowblower, we have the shovel, because we're all called to evangelize. But if you live your whole life in evangelism when you're not the gift, gift spiritually gifted to do it, you're going to get real tired. So sometimes it's not saying, well, I don't have the gift of evangelism. That's, that's immaturity language. Like, I don't have, I, I don't have the, I, I do not have the spiritual gift of giving. Maybe not, but we're all called to be generous. Again, the person beside you and say, get off that track really quickly, please. Thank you. <laughs> All right? So we have spiritual gifts. You know what spiritual gifts are like? Spiritual gifts are the things that we raise where the Holy Spirit is blowing. That is our sail that we get up, and when we do, he can lead and direct us. Too many followers of Jesus live their whole lives without ever hoisting their sail. Or you live your life being battered by things that you do not need to be battered by because you've latched your hope to the wrong anchor. Another question there. Last question. Are you in touch with your gift of limits? North America, we don't like this one. I am unstoppable. No, you're not. I am. I am invincible. No, you're not. You're not. If the end desire is to hear well done, again, what has Jesus given you? But also, what hasn't he given you? What has he given to somebody else? Well, I want what he's given them. He wants you to be faithful with what you've been given. one, he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. Turn the person beside you and say, that doesn't sound fair. Because it isn't. Following Jesus is not based on fairness. It's based on freedom. And your father knows how many talents to give you. Now, I know in this context, talents is about money. I get that in the parable that Jesus told. To each according to his ability, then they went away. Then he went away, excuse me. So we equally steward according to our God-given and God-designed capacity. Intellect has limits. Everybody said? Sure. You didn't know what to say, though. I just wanted you to say amen. Intellect, in, you're, in, you're in church. You know what to say when that's asked. In, intellect has limits. And everyone said? Amen. amen. Some of you are like, no, it doesn't. You're the problem, okay? You are the problem. Intellect has limits. Emotions have limits. 
Oh, oh, here's the best one. Nerves have limits because you can get on someone's last one. Okay? They have limits. Spiritual gifts have limits. Life experiences have limits. Skills have limits. Finances have limits. That baby, beautiful, sound like what many of you feel when we talk about limits. Visa told me that, Visa told me that my finances had no limits. I know, that's why they put, that's why they put 35% on the back end of that. Leadership has limits. Church has limits. God alone has no limits. And you and I are like God, but we're not God, nor will we ever be. He is infinite and we are finite. And when we exceed our God-given limits, you know what happens? We burn out. And we don't need you burned out. We need you filled up. Because we've got a real thirsty, lost, and broken world. Limits are surfaced by discovering... Do you know the difference between your stretched zone to when you're becoming strained? Do you know that difference? Usually we only discover it after we snap, but this isn't God's heart. Okay, with this I'm done. Our family chat. Everything that you need for this season of your purpose, you already possess. Everything you need in the next season for your purpose is found on the other side of your faithful stewardship. Everything we need for this season of ministry at Life Center, God has already provided. Everything we need for the next season of Life Center is found in the harvest that God's going to bring in through us. Jesus loves the people of the world, yet the people of the world love other things more than Jesus. And their love of other things creates a gap. And in this gap, God makes us members of his household and ministers of reconciliation. And as members of his household and ministers of reconciliation, our primary purpose is to ensure that we are walking in the way of Jesus, submitting to the truth of Jesus, to experience the abundant life of Jesus. And if and when you do and we do, then we become a counter-cultural community that the world looks at and goes, I want to be a part of that. But when we are a church that lives here, we are of the same substance to the world, and so there is no distinguishable or recognizable difference. And loved ones, this is a spot and a wrinkle that Jesus is pressing in on. I'm going to invite you to stand as we pray. pray together. I'll start. It's going to come on the screen and we're going to read this commissioning prayer out loud together in purpose. Heavenly Father, 
we come before you today as citizens of earth and your children. Just read with me. Once deserving of nothing but eternal separation from you. Lord, thank you for reconciling us to yourself in our humanity. We will sometimes fall, but you, O oh God, continuously love us and show us grace if we repent and turn away from sin. Lord, each day we are called to the ministry of reconciliation. Each day helps us to forget ourselves and live our lives doing your will and following your example. We declare we are one body, bride, and building, united in Christ. Give us the wisdom to recognize our limits while helping us to be fully aware of our capabilities. Where you are calling us today, how have you gifted us to serve in this area? Holy Spirit, at this very moment, speak to each heart. Help us to work together as a body. Stir our hearts, Lord. Help us to serve one another with love and joy. Help us to encourage and build each other up in the faith. Thank you, Lord. We can do everything through Christ who strengthens us. As we live in a lost and broken world, a hopeless world, people need hope. Need hope. We declare they will see us united, filled with your love, your joy, and the true hope that comes through salvation in you. We were created in your image for such a time as this. Be glorified in us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.